Welcome to the podcast of MotorWeek, television's original automotive magazine. MotorWeek is made possible by TireRack.com, RockAuto.com, and by DieHard. Here's your MotorWeek podcast host, John Davis. Thank you, Alec Webb, and welcome everyone to MotorWeek Podcast number 115. I'm John Davis, and with me in our Studio C today is producer-writer Brian Robinson. Hello, John. Our road test producer, Ben Davis. Hello, hello. Our assistant producer, Greg Carlos. Hey, hey. Our writer, Patrick Lucas. Hey, hi. And rounding out a full uh, staff today is a very special guest, the one and only Pat Goss. Pat, welcome. Hi. And Pat's going to be here to talk about something special, and he's going to contribute to all of our um, things we're going to cover today. The biggest thing we're going to cover today is the New York International Auto Show, which we're just back from. We have, as usual, our lightning round, and we have a question that we think uh, will interest a lot of you listening today. But, Pat, I want to kind of hit you first with this. The one big thing that people always ask me is, how do I get to Pat Goss to ask my question about my car problem uh, when I have that problem, not wait for you know months for maybe to show up on Motor Week? And you have a new way that people all over the country, and for that matter, all over the world, can get in touch and ask you questions live, and I want you to tell us about it. Well, John, uh, as you know, we now have a radio show on the internet. Uh, it's a live show every Saturday from one to two in the afternoon on Eastern East Coast time. East Coast time, that's right. And uh, I take calls and uh, we talk about cars and car problems. Now, this is just the latest uh, radio endeavor for you. You've been doing radio for, gosh, almost as long as I've known you. Yeah, uh, I've got like uh, 27 years of radio under my belt. You can never tell that with that uh, wimpy voice of yours. But in the past, those have been primarily um, regional shows, and now this is actually available to anyone that's got a computer or a smartphone or a tablet. Now, how do do they actually listen in? Well, uh, you simply go to tuneinradio.com, type in Goss or Goss Garage, any configuration of that and listen live now tune in radio is a real internet radio site with thousands of stations i've had the app on my phone for tune in radio for years but i gather now they've become sort of like an enormous clearinghouse for specialized subjects like car care yeah they uh they do a good job they've got uh, quite an array of shows and uh feed it to all sorts of different uh, outlets. And when uh, someone is listening to the show on TuneIn, uh, you'll tell them the phone number they can call in and all that, but they can also reach you uh, by Internet, correct? Yeah. We have an uh, email site for uh, and you uh, mentioned radio show. It's radio at goss-garage.com. Radio at goss-garage.com. Yeah. Okay, and... Um, Basically, whenever possible, I'm. Uh, this is also a self plug. I'm going to be on the show with you as long as you let me. I guess. Yeah, I certainly hope so. Yeah. <laughs> well, I did it for the first time last week and had a great time, and it was great to be back on radio with you again. So, thanks very much for asking me. Yeah, I uh, I appreciate. 
appreciate the, the help. All right, tune in radio every Saturday at 1 p.m. Eastern time for Goss Garage on the radio. Goss's Garage on the radio. All right, Pat, you stick with us. Uh, we want to get your take on anything you might have heard uh, or seen at the uh, 2015 New York International Auto Show. Uh, let's start going around the table. Brian Robinson, what yes, do you sir. think were the big takeaways from this year in New York? Um, lots of uh, luxury in the car side and uh, smaller sport utes in the uh, utility side. There was something for everybody, no doubt. Yeah. You know, it was a really good car show. There were not nearly as many trucks and SUVs and crossovers. Um, clearly, New York likes to bill itself now as the uh, luxury car show. And frankly, you know, we all knew that Cadillac was going to show the CT6 to the press for real and the public after seeing it in the Super Bowl. But lo and behold, here comes Lincoln, uh, and they kind of upstaged everybody with the return of the Continental. Um, impressions. I know you've all seen the pictures of it. Were, were you, I hate to use the word wowed, but were you surprised? Did you like it? What do you think? I wasn't super wowed. I did like it, though. Um the wheels didn't talk to me that much, but the styling is retro enough that it's cool. It would have been cooler if it was a convertible with uh, oh. opposing doors. Oh, the yeah, suicide doors. <laughs> I realize most people are upset that they got away from the waterfall grill, but I was kind of glad to see that go. It's been tired looking it to look, me for a long time. It looks like a K900 grill to me a little bit, though. K900, uh, Bentley, and we'll talk about that a little bit later in today's uh, podcast. Uh, it, it it had almost had shag carpeting on the inside, which got everybody's attention, <laughs> that's cool. along with lots of metal. But interesting, it's a car that's not particularly aimed at U.S. buyers. It's clear from the design that they're aiming this to make a foothold in the Asian and primarily the Chinese market where large cars like that and it's a the doors on the car were quite large quite long um they like to be chauffeured around so that's one of the markets um, they're aiming they nailed for. it though can we take a guess yeah. as to how much it'll cost you know i don't know and my um i've read several things in one aspect if they go too high they're going to alienate u.s buyers on the other aspect if they go too low no one in the far east is going to win be seen in it I'm guessing 60s to start, maybe. I don't know. I honestly don't. The other car was the CT6 from Cadillac, their new, and yes, another confusing uh, naming series. I liked it. I thought it looked just what a big Cadillac should look like. It was large without being fat, and that's kind of taking a quote from another uh, journalist that wrote that. Uh, and I think it was very successful, very interesting on the inside. Uh, in a way, it was kind of sad to see the uh, a little bit of their thunder stolen, but on the other aspect, this was a good car show. There were some surprises there. So, uh, speaking of that interior, I'd seen some pictures of it. Mm-hmm. It looks like they kind of calmed everything down and simplified the interior of that Cadillac. I think, which they I did. think was a really good idea. And I personally, uh, you know, I would applaud them for that because you know it, it had gotten to the point where it was just really not confusing, but just cluttered. And I think the new one looks really nice and simple, but also upscale at the same time. So, you know, and that CT6 is a rear drive car where the Continental, by the way, is going to be built. Uh, we think on a front wheel drive and all wheel drive chassis. It'll have all wheel drive standard is the word we've heard. So even though those two cars. A lot of people say compare them. They're really not the same car, and they're really not aimed at the same buyer. So, 
Anything else strike you from the show that of note? The uh, Civic, for sure. Not only is it ah, cool the looking, Civic concept. finally, but turbo power in the Honda line is super exciting. Yeah, they're going to have two turbo engines. They're going to have a 1.5 turbo, and then they're bringing back the uh, Type R with a 2-liter. Two 2-liter two turbo. Yeah, so that's... Yeah. Honda concepts are usually pretty close to what they're going to look like in production, so that's that should be pretty sweet. Right. Yeah, yeah the, the R especially. The Honda guys basically said, you know, we always show you headlights that don't quite make production, but basically everything else was was it. The uh, they did. I did give one concept, one con- comment about the car is that if you look at it on the profile. They've pushed the rear wheel back fairly long way to make rear seat room, but it looks a little heavy there. It's like from the top of the wheel arch to the top of the fender seems a little bit broad, and that was really the only criticism, and a pretty minor one, that I had of the coupe design. They flashed up a picture of the sedan, and it looked nice. The uh, other news of note on that car is they're actually going to have a five-door hatchback. Cool. And they've never had a Civic five-door hatchback before. Uh, And it's uh, made in all places can be made in England. They did have that two-door hatch. They had the two-door hatch. That was cool looking. It'll be on the market for two years, and no one will buy it, and then it'll go away. (laughs) And then everybody will complain when it's gone. (laughs) I don't know. Five-door hatches have caught on a little bit in this country. I mean, we're not not a big hatchback country. Only for, like, the luxury. Focus RS coming out and stuff. Yeah, It's coming back. Five-door hatches. Golf is a five-door hatch. Hey, guys, let's talk about the Chevrolet Malibu. Well, you know what? And the Maxima, too. <laughs> I t- yeah. I, that was big, a perfect segue big, into Focus RS. Big front-wheel drive cars. Well, it wasn't new in New York. Um, all right. Chevrolet Malibu, all new, larger, huge amount of rear seat room. Looks like it, packaging-wise, could be a real player against Camry Accord and others. What did you think of it? I didn't think it looked that bad. I, I mean, I didn't <clears throat> look too That's much inside. That's a backhanded praise. Or, <laughs> it, well, it is, because <laughs> I was never a fan of the... Uh, Malibu, I don't think. Mm-hmm. I don't think it was a lot of people's favorite car, but mm-hmm. I think it looks only good. rental fleets. I think it looks ready to compete. What did you think of the front end? Because the body shape is a little bit like the Impala, which everybody acknowledges is a pretty car. The front end still has the split grille, but it's very different. It's it's that was edgy. Very sleek. That was sleek. You thought yeah. it was sleek. I think you know what I think they've done is I think they've got a generational thing. I thought the front end wasn't very attractive. Everybody that I've talked in the 30-something area thinks that it was edgy and sharp. So they've gone after a little bit different look while keeping it within the family. I think they they had to do that, though. I mean, the Malibu was falling way behind. People were forgetting about it. So they had to do something to at least grab people's attention. And I I think it looks pretty good. I'll agree with Patrick. I think they did a, a very interesting job with it and a good job. Uh, Maxima, uh, once again, they rolled out the four-door sports car moniker. Uh, it's a nice-looking car. I was amazed to see the very familiar design language from the Murano tied over into a the lot, Maxima as well. A lot of it. I was a big fan of it on the, on the Murano, but uh, I don't know about the family design language going to that extreme. And they kind of set themselves up for failure, at least for me, by calling it by still insisting on calling it the four-door sports car. I mean, after all, it it's is not, front-wheel drive. And, CVT, and CVT. There's nothing performance about it, really. I mean, it's got a decent engine, but 
Um, it instantly makes me not want to like it. <laughs> uh, a couple other. <laughs> Speak right up, Brian. A couple other cars of note Kia Optima, all new and basically very evolutionary looking. Nice looking car. Uh, they also did uh, Chevrolet back again, did a new Spark, which is a little bit larger with a little bit larger engine. Uh, that was the unexpected surprise in the um, lineup. Porsche Boxster Spider brought that back. It was pretty cool. Yeah, glad to see it back. We could always use a better performing uh, Boxster, less weight. What about the Subaru STI performance concept? The uh, BRZ maybe finally going to get some power? I mean, it's super cool that it was there. Not super cool that it was a concept. That should be greenlit and should be ready to go. Yeah, I mean, they made made us look like idiots. Remember our uh, new car car preview? We were teasing that way long ago. We do a pretty good job of that ourselves. We need that to help out. People interested in luxury vehicles, the Lexus RX. uh, New has a lot of the NX-like front end, but uh, not as radical. I think uh, folks... In that market will be okay. I tell you, one vehicle from Geneva that they had that I really liked is the QX30. I hadn't seen it in person from Infinity, their smallest, uh, and it's just a concept, so it's going to be their subcompact SUV. That was a sharp looking vehicle. I mean, it was very highly styled. That's going to be based on the GLA, right? Yeah. I believe they share the platform. So it's going to have a lot of Mercedes in it. Hmm. I thought that was. Yeah, you know, probably the only real competitor to the Range Rover Evoque that I've seen yet. That was pretty sharp. Miata's Club Edition too is yep before you even yeah before we, Miata's even out. That's right. Club. Yeah, I, mean, I don't think the Club is gonna. It means the same as it did before. I think it just replaces touring trim basically or something like that. I saw that it's it added club uh, a little fender some, badge. Um, uh, strut yeah. racing and stuff, and yeah, and which was a little more performance. Same as the touring trim as before. Uh, you know, it's uh, it, it seems like. We're kind of getting into the situation with the the new Miatas. Like they keep talking about it, they keep showing it, and a few people have driven it, but it's like, where is it? So I don't know. It's like an NSX. Twenty six. Well, they came out with the <laughs> price twenty six thousand base, uh, more or less. Hey Pat, I know you uh, weren't in New York, but uh, you watch the news every day. Did anything from the New York show uh, stand out to you? No, not really. I, uh, <laughs> it takes a lot to impress me these days. The uh, You used to have a, a, an ML Mercedes, didn't you? Yes. So they showed the new GLE. They had already shown the um, uh, four-door Coupish, uh, five-door Coupish version. Now they've shown the regular one. Did you take any note of that? Does it Did it look like it was anything just like other than just evolutionary to you? It, it looks, to me, it looks mostly evolutionary. Although they're incorporating a lot of their uh, their new technology and their new interior look, but the outside is, to me, is not dramatically different. Uh, one car that I thought did look dramatically different, but I think was fairly polarizing, is Scion, after years of not having anything new to show, showed up with uh, the IM five-door, which looks fairly normal and like an, uh, like a Scion should. But they also had a new little sedan called the IA, and I guess they've never had a sedan before. Uh, it's got a very aggressive front end. It actually is going to be sold, apparently, as a um, Yaris in Canada. Any comments? Do anybody see the photos of it? Because it ha- it's kind of like a weird window treatment on the side that kind of goes to a point. 
it looked really uh, to Japanese domestic market for the U.S. to me. Huh. It, it was cool. So, I mean, they're not going to sell the Yaris here? You know, I don't know. They, uh, that was just something I got from uh, my Canadian uh, counterparts who said it's going to be sold as a, a Yaris sedan in Canada, but I, that still leaves it wide open for a Yaris um, hatchback here. All right, so anyway, the uh, 2015 New York International Auto Show, probably one of the very best, if not the very best, uh, New York show that I've ever been to. That show keeps coming up in stature. It was really, really impressive this year. And uh, I think right now it's easy to say that we have two really big first-class auto shows in this country, Detroit and New York. And, you know, L.A.'s no shab- not shabby either. All right, let's move along and let's go to our lightning round. Pat and the panelists, uh, we've got two minutes to debate a trending automotive topic. And when time's up, you're going to hear the bell that Patrick Lucas has right in front of him. Okay, another big headline out of New York, and this involves the revival of the Lincoln Continental. Uh, Very bold styling, serious luxury car appeal, but not everybody was very pleased with what the Continental looked like. Bentley's chief designer, and I'll probably butcher his name, it's Luke Dokvalk, Uh, He called out Lincoln uh, on uh, social media for copying a lot of elements from the Flying Spur. He even went so far as to say something like, if you want, I'll send you the production tooling. Uh, You know, there's some similarities, but, you know, what do you think about, you know, uh, one designer carping and, and talking about another designer copying them or cars looking the same or whatever? Yeah, what what design isn't copied off some other design? I mean, imitation is the uh, sincerest form of flattery, right? He should be he should be honored. There's other brands in there that could have probably said the yeah. same thing. I think this one was <laughs> particularly uh, hot button because the name Continental is also well. Isn't it interesting yeah. that Ford owns the name Continental right. and that Bentley gets to use it with Ford's permission? Right. Ooh. At least so I've been told. But nowadays. People think Continental, they think Bentley. Yeah, and because uh, because the last Lincoln Continental was what two thousand two or thereabouts. Uh, however, as someone pointed out to me, you know, if if they get four too upset, they could challenge Bentley for using the Continental name or take the permission away. It's uh, however it works. I'm glad they named it Continental instead of like. MKV or something yeah. crazy. I wish they'd bring Town Car back. Too. Well, you know, I, need, I miss names. That was the rumor before it all happened. The rumor was that this big car was going to be a new Town Car. I was asked about it, and I said, "Well, you know, they don't really have a chassis for that." And up pops the Continental. So stuff had started to leak out. But you know, why didn't they complain when the Chrysler borrowed that look for the three hundred? And they even Chrysler was even like selling it as a baby Bentley. Yeah, they even said that themselves. So I don't, I don't know. And maybe, if I was at, actually threatened, if I was at around. Audi, I, I'd say you know every car out there's got that four door coupe roof line and the LED and headlights. the LED marker lights and headlights. So I don't know. I, it seems to me it's like art. You know, if you make a little bit of a change, it's a unique piece. And I, I really have a hard time with one designer getting too upset because someone thinks their design favors theirs. And after all. Is is somebody that's considering the Bentley really going to buy the Lincoln? I'm not sure. I don't think so. Um, yeah, I wouldn't think so. But yeah, you never know. I don't. 
Well, well, we, it is for the, I don't know, the Asian market, you mentioned that. Yeah. I mean, they're both Possibly. Uh, really yeah. big over there. All right. Well, Pat, I noticed you were noticeably silent there. What do you think about people copying other people? Never mind. <laughs> well, I think there's a finite number of angles and curves in the universe. So, uh, you know, everything's got to be a copy of something. Gosh. And we we had to get an intellectual <laughs> response from you, didn't we? dude. <laughs> Well, that's that's it. Thanks, Pat. That was a very good response. See, you should pipe up more often instead of just letting us babble on. All right. Viewer question or a listener question in this case. Pat, when I was on your radio show, uh, you had um, this is actually part or taken from a question that you got on the show. And it has to do with the new electric or electronic parking brakes that basically are becoming the norm on cars. Um, someone asked you about any required maintenance. How do they work? Are there advantages or disadvantages? Before we pipe in, why don't you give us your take on electric parking brakes and um, what you see in your shop with them? Well, the number one thing with them, if you have it on your car, use it. Get in the habit of using it every time you get out of the car. Reason being, if you don't use these things, there are parts in them that seize up, and depending on the particular style, they can be outrageously expensive to replace. Some of the calipers are several hundred dollars each, plus labor and a lot of other stuff. Now, some of the ones you were talking about use uh, an electric motor that's centralized and still pull up on cables, like old-style parking brakes. Right. And then others, there's actually motors in the calipers? Yep. And uh, that drives the price way up. Anytime, though, that you have uh, parking brake mechanisms built into the calipers of, of any type, they tend to get expensive. See, most... Cars with rear disc brakes use uh, uh, the inside of the rear rotor, and they have shoe-type brakes in there. Drum-in brakes. Yeah. yeah. Or drum-in disc, rather. Those are uh, inexpensive compared to the ones that have the parking mechanism built into the calipers. Hmm. As far as the rest of you guys, uh, you know, you, you like them, you hate them, you would rather see handbrakes back. What do you do? You have any feeling about it at all? I, I I think it's I like them personally, and I think it's safer than let's say one that's in the footwell. Just as I'd imagine, inside impacts having that that uh, that brake lever down on the floor that can't be good. It's just so. an extra piece of thing, yeah. Just to break your leg to, to wind up in my leg. So uh, yeah, I'm all for. It. If, you, if I can't have a handbrake, yeah, definitely give me a, a, a electric brake. I have it in my Audi, which is my personal car. And after I went to the dealership, which was my first mistake, to get my brakes uh, <laughs> replaced on the front, and they bent me over barrel with the price on that, I thought, maybe I should look Ooh. into doing it myself. <laughs> and then I read all the stuff about disabling the electronic parking brake, and that was like way beyond my level of expertise. So I was like, I can't do this myself. I have to go in to even work on the brakes. So... Uh, I don't know. They work well, but I'm scared of it. Um, on our family don't be um, afraid, family Subaru Outback, it's um, a lever up on the left side of the dash, and it sort of mimics the old style uh, uh, ratchet levers, which you none of everybody around this table is probably too young to remember. 
Um, except maybe. Come on now. Well, you know. <laughs> take the compliment. Right? <laughs> take the compliment <laughs> where you can get it. Anyway, I'm not crazy about it there. I've gotten used to it in the center console where you would normally have a handbrake. So I guess it's not awful, but somehow I miss, I guess, the old-fashioned. I feel like you've lost another bit of control over the car. I kind of like them, but I would definitely have to get in the habit of using it yeah. more often because I'm. Kinda, I've never I used, use hardly ever used ours. Yeah, unless you absolutely need to. I'm kind of in that old school. Yeah, realm, but so that would take me a little get, to get used to. Well, okay, everybody. So electric parking brakes are here to stay. Uh, Pat, thanks very much for your comments. And once more, tell us how people can tune in for Goss's Garage on the radio every Saturday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. Hi, it's Tune In Radio and then Goss or Goss Garage. And you're there. And on the show itself, you uh, give all the you, – you frequently mention how to get in touch with you either live or on the Internet. Yeah, uh, on the Internet, uh, radio at goss-garage.com or toll-free, 844-885-4677. Very good. Pat, thanks very much for joining us for our podcast today. I appreciate it. Hey, Take it's, care. you got to do this more often. Yeah, I like it. I'd like to thank our audio engineer, Jim Bigwood, our podcast creator, Bob Mixter, our podcast producer, Patrick Lucas, who is right here. Hey. He's the man with the bell. Assistant producer, Greg Carlos. Road test producer, Ben Davis. Brian Robinson, producer, writer, as always. I'm John Davis. Thanks very much for listening. And make sure you catch Motor Week on public television stations all around the country and also weekly on Velocity. Till next time, I'm John Davis again. Thanks for listening, watching, and just being with us here on Motor Week. You have been listening to the podcast of Motor Week, television's original automotive magazine. MotorWeek is made possible by TireRack.com, RockAuto.com, and by DieHard. For additional information on podcasts, videos, and showtimes, visit our website at MotorWeek.org. And watch MotorWeek, television's longest-running automotive magazine series, each week on your local PBS station.